From NPR, it's From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. That was 17-year-old cellist Xavier Ipp from Watertown, Massachusetts, and I'm pianist Orly Shaham, and together we performed Gabrielle Fauré's Papillon. I'm back again as your host today for this incredible show. Being in Boston for the third year in a row with From the Top felt great, and these young people blew me away, not only with their high-level skills as musicians, but with their deeply rooted empathy and generosity of spirit. I can't wait for you to meet them all. First, though, let's learn more about the exceptional cellist we just heard at the top of the program. Xavier, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. That was so much fun. I love the lightness that you bring to this. And I, I love that middle section with you. So lyrical and you're so flexible when you play it. Thank you. Tell us what you love about this piece. Um, it's a very light piece, but it also has a contrasting melodic part. Um, so I like how the light part sounds like a butterfly. That's what papillon means. 
in French, it's a butterfly. So I just try to embody that. But I also like to express myself through the melodic part. So, Do you have a particular image in mind when you're playing? Yeah, I try to imagine a blue butterfly, a bright blue one. Nice. I love those. You know, one of the things that I loved when I was reading about you was that you're one of those people who's actually interested in other genres of music besides classical. And you listen a lot to R&B and hip hop. Can you tell us what's on your playlist these days? Um, yeah, I'm listening to my, oh, my favorite artist is Young and May. Um, mm. But I also listen to R&B artists like Brent Fires. So, yeah, it's a lot. I have a lot of music, so. I, I will check out Young M.A. I have a son who's also into uh, R&B and hip-hop, so I will, I will take all that in. And I'm curious, as a musician, with all of this music floating around in your head, how would you say your classical music training allows you to appreciate other genres of music? Um, I think classical training really like makes me dive into like the theory part of the music and mm-hmm. like technical stuff. So... If I'm able to like look at different melodies and understand what they mean, then I'm able to translate that to maybe hip hop or R&B. Like you hear the beat and you're like, oh, it's this key or this is this pitch or something. Do you ever find yourself connecting a piece of music to a particular song as well in terms of some qualities? Yeah, some songs have like classical instruments playing in the background. So then I'm like, oh, like <laughs> I can connect those. So. Right. So how do you think we can attract a younger and more diverse audience to the music that we love? Um, I think we have to just share classical music in a way that other people that might not be have been introduced to it. um, Just share it in a way that they would be intrigued to come and try it. So um, maybe through social media and play some hip-hop songs or, like, have an orchestra play with an artist or something like that, just, like, yeah. connecting and bridging those two communities. So you like the kind of the, the uh, cross-pollination of the different musics together. Yeah. I love it. Connecting people through music is something I know you've not only thought about, but you've actually taken real action on. Can you tell me about Project Step and how you got involved in that? Yeah, so Project Step is basically an organization where... People from underrepresented backgrounds get to come and play, mm-hmm. and they have some chamber groups, um, and they basically provide like a lot of opportunities for us. So it's a great organization to be part of, and I think it's we should have more communities like that because it's really nice to see the people of color and just different kinds of people doing classical music and it's inspiring to see. Yeah, absolutely. I love that you're connecting people that way. It's such a good feeling when you make people happy with your music, right? Yeah. So how has music helped you in your own life? I think music is kind of like, it can act as a medicine for me because when I play music or I listen to music, like I feel different emotions. Like if I'm feeling some type of way or I'm sad or I'm really happy, then I try to listen to music that, goes with my emotion at the time so I don't know it's just it's a cure for me sometimes I love the idea that it's medicinal it's sort of healing in that way that's great it's been such a pleasure getting to know you today Xavier and making music with you thank you so much thank you 17 year old Xavier Ip from Watertown Massachusetts next up two brothers whose time playing music together is all about having fun It was really meaningful for me to work with a sibling violin piano duo, and it brought back memories of when Gil and I played together as kids. 
It's such a special thing to play music with a family member, and it can be both rewarding and challenging in unique ways, as you will hear. Hi, Jacob and Ezra. Welcome to From the Top. Thank you. Thank you for having us. I love working with siblings and getting into the spirit of family collaboration. So I know you guys have played a few pieces together as a duo. Why did you choose this piece and what made you both want to explore it? Well, actually, From the Top recommended that we try a Brahms Hungarian dance. <laughs> and um, we listened to several. We like this one mostly because it's really fun. Yeah. And because I feel like I can really connect with Ezra while yeah. we play it. It's, it's a great way for us to, to connect, and that's why we chose it. Always good to start with number one, right? <laughs> yeah. So let's get right to it. This is Brahms Hungarian Dance number one in the transcription by Josef Joachim for violin and piano.
That was Jacob and Ezra Lewis performing Brahms's Hungarian Dance Number no. 1 for violin and piano. We had a chance to talk after this delightful duet. I'm just blown away by your interaction, your playfulness with each other, the kind of timing and things that you do. Thank you so much for that performance. Oh, thank you're you. Welcome. Thank you. You know, my my brother and I grew up, maybe you didn't know, playing music together, kind of like like you two. Yeah. I knew that. Yes. yes. <laughs> you know, Gil played the violin, right? I played piano and just like you, we were about 4 years apart and the violinist was the older one. So, I think I have some sense of um the joys of playing together and and maybe some of the the challenges as well. Can you talk about what that's like for you? Well, um in terms of challenges, we our siblings and, you know, the sibling <laughs> dynamic can sometimes make it a little difficult. A little. If we, have, <laughs> if we have disagreements about phrasing or about how we should play a certain section, I have to, as the older sibling, make sure that I'm not trying to lead too much because, you know, I want to hear his ideas too. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I love the facial expression you made when you said that, especially. I'm sorry, we can't see that on the radio. <laughs> What what challenges do you find? A lot, um, that's for sure. Um, no offense to Jacob, he can be kind of annoying sometimes, but he can also be nice. He's he's in the middle, uh, mostly <laughs> nice, thank goodness. Um, but yeah, in in the music thing, it's basically what Jacob said. But yeah, it's it's like yeah disagreements on phrases. I'm like, we should do this, and he's like, maybe we should do this. It's not like a heated argument or anything, but it's just a small disagreement, but still, that's something. Yeah, I love that working with a sibling actually really prepares you for the real-world chamber music experience. My parents decided early on in their marriage that flowers were expensive, and instead of getting flowers every Friday, they'd buy a record. So we would listen to recordings together a lot, and we got to know and explore things together. Jacob, what kind of music do you like to listen to? Oh, all kinds. Um, well, I, I listen to a lot of classical, not mm -hmm. just for, you know, the purposes of studying. Uh, I like classic rock. What I, is included in classic rock in your definition? Um, oh, that's, that's a, it's very broad. Mostly just anything that came out pre-1980s, mm -hmm. I guess. Mm -hmm. The um, good stuff. The good stuff, right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ezra, what do you listen to? I also listen to classical, but um, I also really like jazz because it, like it's got all that like stuff where like you can interpret the music. Um, I started playing jazz uh, kind of recently, and like I found out it's really fun not only to listen to but to play as well. But it's just cool. like fun. That's that's the only <laughs> word I can use. That is so cool. I love that you play jazz. So Jacob, how do we help others? develop a passion and to fall in love with music the way that the two of you have, the way that my brother and I did? Um, that's a good question. I, for me, it's, I just try to show, I try to connect with people on a personal level mm -hmm. outside of the music. For example, I have a lot of friends who um, maybe aren't sure about classical music you know they like they like the rock like like me and they, right. so I I try to show them that I'm just a just a regular kid, and then I try to show them my enthusiasm for the music and hope that it sort of rubs off on them and often it does. I think I, I think that's you know the key right. I mean if you're really enthusiastic about something, other people will 
want to find out why. And uh, I'm going to use that as a segue, Ezra. I hear that you're very enthusiastic about a particular exotic pet. Ah, ah. <laughs> Can I hear about that a little bit? Yes. So I like Minecraft, and I was playing Minecraft, and uh -huh. I noticed in the re most recent update, they added this creature called an axolotl. I was like, what the heck is an axolotl? <laughs> I saw it in the game. It looked cute. I looked it up online. It's even cuter. It's even cuter, right? Oh, I, yeah. I admit I had to look it up. It looks like a real-life Pokemon character. <laughs> <laughs> I don't do Pokemon, but I most certainly agree. Yeah, it's... Um, the three things on the sides of its neck, they're, they're gills, so like they flap when they breathe, mm -hmm. and they can regenerate limbs, and scientists like use them to, um, they just study them. Um, I, my axolotl uh, is basically like a pale pink color, that's a leucistic axolotl, scientific name, and his name is Peach. <laughs> well, we'll be posting some photos of Peach on the website, so I urge oh, you listeners to go <laughs> and take a look. This thing is really cute. What a delight it has been to spend some time with the two of you. I, I wish you both the best of luck. I'm going to be looking out for what you do next. Thank you so much for sharing your talent and your musical interests with us at From the Top. Thank you so Thank much. Thank you. 16-year-old Jacob Lewis and his brother Ezra Lewis, 11 years old, from Newton, Massachusetts. Over the last five years, I've been so excited to be introduced to more and more composers I hadn't experienced before. Many of our young musicians at From the Top, who come from diverse backgrounds, are bringing to light composers of color who were writing works at the same time as Mozart, Mendelssohn, and Brahms. Filipino composer Nicanor Abelardo was born in 1893, almost 130 years ago. 18-year-old soprano Katrina Franco brings his work to light with her dazzling performance. Hi, Katrina. Welcome to the program. Thank you for having me, Orly. I'm super excited to be here. <laughs> I'm so looking forward to enjoying the sound of your lovely soprano voice and to hearing you sing in Tagalog. Will you introduce the piece and tell us about it and its composer? Yeah, so I'm going to be singing a Tagalog arts song, as you said. I'll be singing Mutia ng Pasig. It was composed by Nicanor Abelardo. And overall, this is my first Filipino art song that I've ever sang. Um, it just means a lot to me that I get to, I'm like able to sing repertoire that's of my heritage. Well, I can't wait to hear it. <laughs> Thank you.
18-year-old Katrina Franco from San Francisco, California, sang Mutia Nang Pasig by Nicanor Abelardo. The pianist was Thaddeus Pinkston. That was just gorgeous, Katrina. Thank you so much for bringing us that beautiful piece in your family's Tagalog language. I just loved it. Now, Katrina, I know that your sense of identity as a Filipino-American and as a, a member of the greater Asian-American Pacific Islander community, it's evolved quite a bit over time. And it's affected how you see our classical music tradition and how you approach the whole classical music community. In what ways? Uh, that's a really good question. Growing up singing musical theater and classical voice repertoire, I just had a really hard time seeing myself in roles because all the roles that I ever wanted to play, all the songs I wanted to sing were like by people who didn't look like me. Mm -hmm. So a lot of times I just felt out of place, whether it be in the audition room or the rehearsal room or in like the recital hall. Um, it just felt very alienating. <laughs> and I think What's hard is that pretty much like all known rep is written by and written for old or dead white people. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, you know, me, I don't really fit in the picture <laughs> as an Asian human. But um, I think that's like definitely changed throughout the years as I started appreciating and valuing my sense of identity and not treating my identity and my like musical journey as two separate things because my musical passions and journey is essentially who I am because I put so much time and effort and like care 
Sure. Like even from like learning a song or like nailing a note, nailing a passage. Um, it is part of who I am. And it's partly because singing is such a personal thing because my body is literally my instrument. And like with singing, you basically become vulnerable because you're telling a story. And I think that story is like what motivates or like compels people to listen, to empathize, to feel, mm -hmm. to like relive sort of the human experience in like two, three minutes or whatnot. Yeah, I think that's that's beautiful. You know, this idea that as an artist, you are a complete person up there and to be accessing your completeness while you're up there <laughs> is what makes you a wonderful artist. So what sorts of changes would you like to see happen in our field? How can we improve? Yeah, I think the first step would be just diversifying your repertoire. Um, because mm -hmm. I think there's a I think there's a lot of really great repertoire out there written by like women, written by people of color that we can always integrate into our repertoire. But I, I think like reframing the motives for singing said repertoire is also really helpful you want to sing I feel like it's helpful to keep in mind like you want to sing this repertoire because you care about representing representing it I always think like singing repertoire you love and appreciate is key because I feel like if I'm singing a song that I'm not interested in that I'm not gonna like put forth my best performance of course Thank you so much, Katrina. Katrina Franco, 18 years old, from San Francisco, California. So nice to meet and talk with you, too. Thank you. Coming up on the second half of the program is a mesmerizing performance by a 15-year-old pianist who nearly lost the use of her hands in a childhood accident. And a look into the dynamics, both physical and emotional, of the Chicago-based Sprezzatura Quartet. I'd also like to take a moment to thank the Jack Kent Cook Foundation. For over 15 years, From the Top has partnered with the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, and together we have given out over $3 million of scholarships to young musicians with financial need. Funding is still available, so if you want to apply, please go to fromthetop.org and click Apply. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, providing scholarships to high-achieving students with financial need, jkcf.org. And from the Massachusetts Cultural Council, a state agency connecting young people with the arts in schools and in their communities. Learn more at massculturalcouncil.org. And from the John S. and James L. Knight Foundation, helping NPR advance journalistic excellence in the digital age.
This is NPR's From the Top, where outstanding young musicians come to play. I'm pianist Orly Shaham and your host for today. This next young performer was just pure pleasure to spend time with. Her warmth and easy laugh had all of us at From the Top enamored of her, not to mention her stunning musicality. If you're busy doing something else while you're listening to this, do yourself a favor. Just sit down and take in this gorgeous piano piece. Please introduce your piece. Tell me what you love about it. The piece is called Bar Carole Morning by Nathaniel Dett. And I picked out the piece with my mom, actually. And we found it, um, we found it just so calming and amazing. And we found it online and we we immediately um, called my dad and we were like, oh my gosh, listen to this piece. It's amazing. And then we picked it out for the audition. So it's well, kind of the story. We are looking forward to hearing it. Thank you.
Eliza, that was gorgeous. Thank you. Such nice flow, and I love the way you pace the the qualities in that song. Thank you know, you really so much. in this beautiful space that we're recording oh in gosh, too. It's amazing. Yeah, fantastic. I know in particular uh, that this is special because you almost lost the ability to use your hands when you were yeah. really little. Can you tell me what happened and how it's affected your playing? Yeah, of course. So I was about one. I was not in my house at the time. And I was learning how to walk. Mm-hmm. And I was just placing my hands on everything and everywhere. And, you know, I just, you know, it's actually, I, I just placed my hands on the firewood and on Ooh. the stove, basically. And, you know, I was in shock, so I couldn't just take my hands away and so I just kept them for for about like 10 to 20 seconds until my parents noticed and they were just like wow yeah and I had to uh, I was on I was on meds for about a year and I had to you know just um keep my bandages over my hands and use creams and everything and it was it was hard but I remember what made it easier is my mom and my dad, They, when I was in the hospital, they used to um, put bandages on their hands as well to uh-huh. make it seem like a, like a fun story. And yeah. So. Wow, that is incredible. And your yeah. perseverance is totally admirable Thank for you. that. So how does that affect your actual piano playing? Yeah, so the thing is, I can't exactly stretch my hands horizontally. So mm-hmm. I can't reach octaves as well as, you know, most people do. And it's been hard. And my mom usually helps me with this. Um, she picks out pieces that I can actually play and she can figure out how, to, how, can, how we can manage to reach certain chords. Mm-hmm. And she knows which pieces are okay for me to play and which are not. Well, see, I can only barely reach an octave, yeah. but that's for other reasons. Uh, my, my, my fingers move where they're supposed to. They're just small. Yeah. <laughs> I, think, I think I have small hands plus the scars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's tough. Yeah. Is it painful when you're stretching it? No, it's uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. Clearly, you're adept now at stretching across octaves. Yeah. And um, you also straddle across continents and <laughs> even <Yeah>. languages. <laughs> you, were, you were born in Italy, right? Yes, I was born in Italy. And I was there. I was born and raised in Italy for about 10 years. Mm-hmm. And then we moved uh, for my dad's job to Boston, actually. And we were there for about, I think, two years. I was in fifth grade. And then after that, we moved to Indiana for three years, and I spent my middle school years there. And then um, just last year, we moved back to Boston, to the Boston area, and we've been here for a year, and I'm just starting my junior year now. So how do you navigate having these two very distinct linguistic and Mm -hmm. cultural identities? So, you know, all of my family is back in Italy. So Mm -hmm. I guess you could say it's kind of lonely sometimes, you know, just having to go through the holidays without our family. Yeah. And that's why we actually go back for Christmas and Easter every single year. So that's that's been fun. But um, yeah, and learning how to speak English, that was probably the hardest thing about moving. 
um, I was in fifth grade and I didn't know a single word wow. of English. Wow. And I remember a couple of my classes just making fun of my accent. And <laughs> that was so... But yeah, it was almost humiliating at a point. But now that I'm basically fluent, I feel a lot. I would take the basically out of that, but yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Well, I, I yeah. totally uh, can relate to what that feels like. I was uh, almost seven when we yeah. came from Israel, and I remember the hardest thing in the world for me. I had a coloring book with the mm -hmm. letters of the alphabet, yeah. and the first word was alligator. Alligator. And I cannot tell you how hard that is to say <laughs> when you've only ever spoken Hebrew your whole no, life. I can imagine, Yeah. <laughs> Eliza, thank you so much for sharing your talent thank with you us so today. Thank you so much. Thank you. 16-year-old Eliza Plano from Menden, Massachusetts. Finally, this string quartet of four accomplished teenagers ranging in age from 14 to 18 years old will have you entertained with their sense of humor as much as their phenomenal playing. Hi, my name is Aiden, and I play violin. My name is Kevin Hernandez, and I am a cellist. Hi, my name is Chance. I'm a violinist. My name is Nazi Shahid, uh, and I'm a violist. We're from across Chicagoland, and we are the members of the Sprezzatura Quartet. So, what does Sprezzatura mean? Sprezzatura is an Italian style um, that is, it basically means um, doing something that is really difficult, but making it look really easy which is actually kind of the opposite of what we do, which is funny, but we thought it sounded good. <laughs> this is Aiden. One of the things I'd say about Sprezzatura is that we move a lot. We like to move when we play. That's a bit of an understatement. Yeah, we move uh, a ton. A massive amount. That's probably more accurate. Sometimes our teachers say it's too much and we need to dial it down. You can yeah. never have too much, though. Yeah, but our teachers, you know, they think otherwise, obviously. I think we, we, we move to make the music... Uh, it makes the music more interesting, for sure. There's a visual appeal to performance that can't be neglected. And I think standing also, that's something that a lot of quartets don't do. Most of them sit, so... Of course, the cellist can't stand, but, you know. Kevin might not have the ability to move much, but he has probably the highest aptitude out of all of us for random facts. Kevin, what is the surface area of a brick? So the surface area of the average brick, it's um, 79 centimeters squared, I believe. The patent for the fire hydrant was actually destroyed in a fire, which is also pretty interesting. Another one is that cashews actually come from apples. And in 1995, the blue M&M was created after the Mars company sent out a poll um, to the public to vote for which M&M color they wanted. So, and the choices were purple, pink, and blue, and blue won. So the blue M&M was made. Thank you, Kevin. <laughs> so we've all learned a lot from uh, being in this group and, you know, playing together, getting to know our, each other's playing styles. This is Kevin. Um, the biggest lesson for me in this quartet is how to be in a group, how to work in a group. When I first joined, I played like a soloist, and I became a team player. This is Chance, and I guess I also learned the importance of, like, group thinking, being more coalescent 
and more homogenous with our um, our tone, our musicality, and like a big melting pot of our very unique colors. This is Nazi, and the big thing that I learned was just playing a completely different instrument. I switched from violin to viola. Um, I feel like viola is like a lot more sensitive. Well, I'm actually a lot less sensitive to my playing style because I play with a lot. I play very heavily, and that's not necessarily the best thing on violin. Um, I have broken strings because of that. And I think I like the tone. I like the tone a lot more. I think Nazi's met his match with viola. This is Aiden. I like how in rehearsal we're able to be very direct, but also in good humor. We're we're pretty direct with each other, especially you, Aiden. <laughs> <laughs> So we're about to play Ravel's string quartet in F major, second movement, the Assez Vif. Uh, I think what makes this movement like so special is because the use of pizzicato, uh, that as a string technique, makes it sound very percussive, like piano, like you, you press it and it's gone. Yeah, since it's pizzicato, you're plucking your instrument, you're, like, you're grabbing the string with your fingertip and you're pulling it. How hard can it be? It's, it's, it's pretty hard. Um, I, I personally struggled both with the actual, like, you know, the octaves and the intonation, but also like with my fingers getting, um, annihilated by my strings. <laughs> like, <laughs> it's just a really great piece. Um, the colors, um, they're really great. One part might be red and then right after that, it's a foggy green. And I just really love that. Please do enjoy.
Thank you to all the outstanding young musicians I was able to connect with today. What a gift. Thank you to all our listeners, without whom this program would really not be possible.
From the Top is produced by Tim Banker, Megan Swan, and Jessica Tickton. Sound design and music editing by John Escobar with editing and mastering by Rodrigo Cuenca. Our production manager is Amanda Roth. From the Top's executive director is Gretchen Nielsen. A special thank you to John Weston at Futura Productions in Boston, Massachusetts, to Transient Sound in Chicago, Illinois, and Disher Sound in San Francisco, California. And a special engineer to me, David Robertson, at our home studio in New York, New York. From the Top is an independent, nonprofit organization based in Boston. If you'd like to appear on our program, apply online at fromthetop.org. From the Top is supported in part by an award from the National Endowment for the Arts. On the web at arts.gov. Support for NPR comes from this station and from the Massachusetts Office of Travel and Tourism, offering visitors information about the arts, culture, and history of Boston. The journey begins at visitma.com. And from the Pew Charitable Trusts, sharing the data behind American diversity on its new podcast season, Race and Research, available at pewtrusts.org NPR. And from the John D. and Catherine T. MacArthur Foundation at macfound.org. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You know, while From the Top is distributed by NPR, it isn't owned by NPR. It's an independent nonprofit, and so we have to do our own fundraising to make it happen. Please consider making a donation to our ongoing entertainment and education programs at fromthetop.org.